0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast, uh, Brian. What is the crack with you? Uh,
1: yeah, we haven't podcasted in a few weeks, mostly because I was moving down to Cork, um, and um, well, I'm in Dublin right now, uh, but I'm supposed to be in Cork, basically. Mm. But through, what are you uh, doing down there? Living, pop All right,
0: living down. Yeah, living Very down good. in Cork. Yeah, you've a, you've a band in the homeland. What? You've abandoned the homeland.
1: What does that mean? I've never heard that phrase before. in My life. you've
0: abandoned your home territory. Like you know, you've 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 uh, you've abandoned the capital for what? So oh, abandoned. Yeah, yeah. What did you think I said?
1: I heard you saying you have abandoned <laughs> the homeland. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. Abandoned. Uh, we're off. Yeah, yeah, we're off to a bad start here. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, move down to Cork. I uh, got my blue belt, which sort I of came back up to Dublin for yes. originally. I had my yeah. grading um last Friday, today's Thursday. Uh, so last Friday I had my grading, got that blue belt, um, yes. which is delightful. I was yeah. like 90% sure I would get it, but yeah, still
0: very satisfying.
1: Yeah, it's extremely satisfying. Um yeah. so I'm buzzing for that, and that yeah. has inspired today's podcast. Yeah. Um do you want to tell people what it is, Dean?
0: Indeed. We're going to do a case study podcast. Uh, this guy, I suppose I'll, I'll, I'll throw out the profile and we can start talking about him on, in terms of what we want to do in this process. So he's a 25-year-old male. He is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt training six years. So um, quite experienced. Generally, a purple belt is whenever you're quite advanced. Um he works in finance, um, he's 90 kilograms and he's 22% body fat. And this is done through a DEXA scan. So fairly accurate, but he wants to compete in the middle weight of the IBGJF, um, the standards. So this would mean that he needs to lose 9.7 kg because the 82.3, uh, as far as I understand is, um, with the Gi on, so we need to account for the extra kilos from the ghee Competition that he wants to compete in is 14 weeks away, so he has a nice time frame. Uh, he lifts in the gym twice a week and he does jiu-jitsu five times per week, with three of those sessions being fairly hard sparring for a couple of hours and then two later sessions for about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and yeah, that's the general profile. That's his goal of fat loss improving his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu performance and, and to a lesser extent, the work that he's doing in the gym, Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, so.
1: Yes, very good. So, as I said, inspired, BJJ inspired, and, of course, this will transfer to a lot of combat athletes in general, or this will translate to a lot of sports in general. We just like to make these case studies quite specific, so that's why it's quite specific, but realistically you can now yeah, we'll we'll get into obviously some of the nuances, um, especially when it comes to making weight and stuff. But, you know, for the most part, anybody listening to this, you don't have to be a BJJ athlete to, you know, to take away from this. Like if you were a kickboxer or you do MMA and in, in which case you would do some jujitsu anyway, or you're into boxing, a lot of this will apply. So, you know, still pay attention because you'd be able to, to get something from it. So, um, In terms of mapping this out, Dean, you know, we we have a pretty, pretty clear timeline in terms of what we need to do um, over the 14 weeks, right? So he's a comp coming up in 14 weeks, wants to compete in a a much lighter weight division than he's currently sitting in. So that's going to require, you know, that 9.7 kilos of fat loss, as you said. And well, sorry, I shouldn't say 9.7 kilos of fat loss because we can manipulate weight to a certain extent you know acutely um you know so i had this with uh, and we were talking about it the other night like a weightlifter uh essentially decided she wanted to compete on a couple of days notice um so we ended up pulling off three kilos in a couple of days basically um without it impacting her performance and without it changing her body composition either right so yeah that sounds great three kilos in two days where do i sign up for that It's not making any difference to your physique. So, you know, don't consider that impressive. Like if you actually want to, you know, look better naked or whatever, um, because it makes literally no difference, but we'll get into that. Um, So like, what do we have to do here? We have, we know how much kind of body weight we're trying to lose. Um, How would you be thinking about this? Like in terms of a rate of fat loss, like what, what do you want to hit here? Um, and then maybe talk to us about how we're going to set that up for the diet. And then and not, not too much detail because we've covered like extensively, right? In different podcasts, mm-hmm. but uh, a, a little overview how are you going to set up the diet? What metrics are you looking at? Um, how are you making adjustments if, if relevant? Um, talk, talk to me about the, the, like, the actual nutrition aspects here.
0: Yeah. So energy manipulation is going to be the most important thing because obviously your calories slash your energy intake is going to be what's going to influence your body weight. And as Brian says, we, we do want most of this to come from fat loss. Like I think if we can get away without having to do any manipulation of weight through like changing water, changing carbohydrates, changing fiber, et cetera, like that's great. Um, but you know, we, we I think it's it's nice to have that in the back pocket. But with this nice time frame of 14 weeks, I think we, we've plenty of scope to be able to get him this 9.7 kg of weight loss with most of it coming from body fat. Um, now, with that being said, I would like to still see him lose, lose, lose this weight relatively quickly. And the reason being, especially for uh, athletes, I nearly like to see them rather than continuously having to be losing weight, to be more in a position where it's like, right, we're within striking distance of this weight, and maybe we can even actually eat into the competition a little bit. Mm. That doesn't always happen, but it would be nice if if it does happen, and obviously this means that we're going to have to go a little bit faster with with the fat loss. So I would say somewhere between you know probably about 0.75 kg per week would probably be good um, for that. Um, Now, with the goal of this specificity, I think Taking a, getting him to track his, his calories and macros is probably going to be a good idea. That's not to say that he couldn't achieve this level of fat loss with kind of like a meal template and just, you know, a calculated, you know, eat these types of meals and these types of foods. Um, but generally speaking, you know, uh, another aspect of this, which is kind of a little bit more abstract, is he works in finance, so he likes numbers. So the chances of his personality fitting with MyFitnessPal is 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 probably quite high, but this is kind of a little bit more of a, you know, stuff that you might do with with um with the client when you're when you're working with them, but generally, let's say you know we'd go for that MyFitnessPal tracking approach um and I would probably put him in, you know, because he's ninety kg, he's training quite a lot. We don't have an idea of his step count, but let's assume that it's not that high, um you know probably putting him in like a a seven hundred and fifty to 900 calorie deficit um, to, for a start would probably be um, good enough. And that would still leave them with, you know, somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000 calories um, to start with, which is it's, it's still a good enough amount of calories. Um, and, you know, we, we can obviously divvy that up between the macros quite well. Um, but I think it's, it's important to, to understand with this stuff as well, you know, when we're doing calories and macros for any client, if, even if, it, if it's an athlete or if it's a body composition client or whatever it is, it's generally just a guess. It's an educated guess, but it is a guess. And it will require a little bit of trial and error because you know maybe 2,500 calories might be too low. You might be losing weight a little bit too quickly on that. You might notice a detriment to his performance. Maybe 3,000 might be too high because his Training isn't actually as hard as maybe the initial calculations are. Um, so this is kind of where a little bit of tweaking comes into play. But from a week-to-week basis, I would probably like to see him in around that 0.75 kg weight loss. Uh, he will, of course, lose a larger chunk of the first of that of the first couple of weeks because he lose more water weight and glycogen and a little bit of um, residue in the gut. But that's a general time frame of what I would like to see. And that will leave him, you know, kind of coming up to the month before his competition to be in a much leaner place. And we'll be within striking distance of that weight. And then we can decide, right, okay, how are you feeling? Uh, do, we, do you want to sort of go for the implementation of uh, uh, more of the sort of the water manipulation, carb manipulation, etc.? Or do you want to just go in and push push for a little bit more fat loss get you basically there or thereabouts without any having to do these weight making strategies um, and sort of take things from there. So that would be my general outline. But of course, as I said, is very much subject to change as we go through the process.
1: Yeah. You need to get stuck in and then you need to make adjustments, you know, based on the outcomes. So you use outcome based decision-making, you know, start somewhere, as you said, it's going to be a very educated guess. uh, Unless this person has, you know, previous data, And even if this person has previous data, like, again, you would, you would assess this uh, more thoroughly with, with an actual client, but you know, their, their previous data may not be that like reputable, let's say, you know, someone comes in and says, you know, if this guy came in and says, I was only, I was tried to diet before on like 1500 calories and had very little success. It's like, Okay, something's probably amiss there. Like it's probably some some error there. But yeah, you're gonna watch this uh, week to week. Um, you know, I'm usually reluctant to make changes too quickly. I don't like making changes prematurely, you know. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start this guy off in his first week. And you know, if he hasn't lost 0.7 kilos, I'm not gonna, you know, worry that there's there's something not properly set up here because it can take a bit of time, but you also don't want to take too much time. You know so within a couple of weeks, I would want to see you know some some significant change. Um because we're on this timeline. And as you said, Dean, it's it's much more preferable to try and finish up earlier rather than bring it down to the wire and then you know, eating into a competition is, is fantastic. I was talking to one of my training partners about that the other day. Is like, I do everything the same, you know, when I'm going to open maths and training. I go down to the bakery near me, I get a brownie, I get a coffee, and then I go to the open mat. I try to do the same thing in competitions. You know, I go to mm. the bakery, I get a brownie, go to the open mat, and then you meet people at the comp who are haven't drank water in a couple of days because mm. they're trying to make weight. So obviously or they're just
0: sitting there smugly with a brownie and a coffee, just like these are all peasants.
1: <laughs> yeah, just wearing a hat with like the water in it. So you're just sucking away. Um <laughs> So and actually it, just, it occurred to me Dean as you're going through there that the the brief actually matches almost perfectly a good friend of mine um and you put the brief together so I know you couldn't have done that intentionally it's just yeah it's just gas it almost perfectly matches like friend in finance who is who is a purple belt who is 90 kilos or <laughs> like at least was when when he worked with me at one point um and yeah basically just exclusively trains jiu jitsu um so that's actually pretty funny. That just occurred to me as as we're going through it. Um, so yeah. Uh, okay. So I think okay, we've set up set up there the the premise for how you're gonna manipulate energy. Um, I think it's a it's a nice point you made about okay, this guy works in finance. He's probably more comfortable with numbers and likes the data, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I think for the sake of it. On a short enough time frame. There's different things you could do there, like non-tracking approaches. You could try things like you know intermittent fasting, where if you're essentially dropping out meals, like you're creating a, a calorie deficit there. Um, and yeah, like we want to maintain his performance, um, you know, because he's getting ready for a competition. So he wants to have a productive 14 weeks of training. He's gonna be dragging himself mm-hmm. through training. Um, and then ideally, as we said be feeling quite good and, and hydrated and energized and everything else on the day, um, if possible, because with Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, you know, the weigh-in is very soon before the actual competition. So, you know, if you're into MMA, you know, the weigh-in is often like the day before, you know, so that's, you've got a lot of time to replenish and refuel there um if you're uh, like and, and in some some combat sports it's like you know you might weigh in during the week and then the the competition is actually at the weekend right so it, it varies from sport to sport In jiu-jitsu it's usually just before now you know i competed a few weeks ago they start calling you for check-in and weigh-in about an hour before right so if you're there on time realistically you have time to go in get checked in get weighed in and then just hang out in the bullpen so if you bring fluids and stuff with you then at that point you can start rehydrating depends kind of on the the organization and then it depends on how soon you're there but like you can do a little bit but again you don't want to rely on those small margins or things that are outside your control you want to be pretty much ready so it's better to what assume we,
0: that you're gonna just be weighing in and then straight onto the mat. And then if that doesn't happen, then that's a bonus.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how you want to look at it. Um, and the same as what we said about in terms of manipulating weight last minute, like you want to you want to assume that all that stuff maybe just isn't gonna work, so you want mm-hmm. to get as much work done, um, or you know, it's gonna compromise your performance. Now we're going will get into that is in terms of what's actually important to think about it there, but and um, in terms of uh, this guy, like supporting his performance, right? What's, what's he going to have to think about? So we, we've decided like, all right, well, we have to set the diet up. So he's, he's catering for fat loss. What do you think about in the context of performance here?
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, with athletes, the main considerations are going to be obviously keeping them healthy. Right, so that that's important, and that's generally gonna be, that's generally gonna be done through making sure that you're eating well. You know, you're making sure you're eating your variety of uh, whole foods and all the rest of it. I'll not labour on that point because we've we've went we've talked about that at length in many other podcasts. But you know, keeping them healthy, diet quality is is generally good, and that's obviously going to be uh, in combination with the general calories that we would set um, for for this client if he was to use. My fitness pal. Um, outside of that, then yeah, you're you're going to want to be considering most of the energy for for his performance is kind of come from carbohydrates. So generally, we, we we strongly recommend against low carbohydrate diets for combat sports athletes, unless it's in the context of making weight, which is a discussion which we will get on to later on. But for your day to day stuff, you want to be fueling yourself with carbohydrates and you know that's particularly around your training sessions and particularly around your hard training sessions because the the demands of brazilian jiu-jitsu but also your kickboxing your boxing mma you're a mixed sport athlete so you're using a variety of different energy systems you've got the cardio element to it you've got the sort of the strength and power element to it here and this is all going to be very much supported by carbohydrates okay outside of that then you want to make sure that you're getting enough protein and enough fat. So, protein is obviously important for your recovery. This guy is also going to the gym two times per week as well. So, it, it's interesting because Mike is has a really, really good video on mixing uh, being a lifter and a jiu-jitsu athlete at the same time. And one thing that was very interesting that he said was if you want to be the best lifter possible um, and you want, and you, you know, minimal jujitsu he he, he recommends if you want to be a jujitsu and a lifter but you care more about lifting you actually want to do minimal jujitsu as as much as possible whereas if you want to be the best jujitsu athlete possible you actually do need to do some lifting right it's actually necessary for you to do this um just because of the the injury prevention and the strength and muscle gains that you will that will be conferred to you from from doing your resistance training so With that in mind protein becomes important as well so you're obviously you're you're going to get a certain amount of uh you're going to sort of you're going to have an impact on your recovery from not only just the hard sparring sessions but also your lifting sessions in this case and the main micronutrient that's going to support recovery from exercise um is protein so we need to make sure that he's eating sufficient protein um now that would be somewhere between a range of 1.6 and 2.3 2.5 kg uh, or grams of protein per kg body weight so you know if we multiply his his body weight by 1. 1.6 144 grams but realistically he could probably go go on up to to, to um, 180 grams and beyond um if he wanted to and it wouldn't be an issue but that kind of comes down to Right. what's the client's preference, what is his history of getting high-protein foods in, um, and, and, and thinking about that because, and this is kind of where we're getting into the weeds quite a lot here, but I suppose this is what, this is what the podcast is for, but sometimes this, this happens with athletes because, and I've noticed this with a few of my athlete clients recently, because Ireland and Western countries, they're very much we're, we're getting a lot better, at getting all these high protein foods into the into the diet, um, and it's all protein, protein, protein. Get your protein powder, your protein puddings, your yogurts, your balls, all the rest of it, right? And that's great for the for this for the average person, and you know especially like elderly populations and stuff like that. But for athletes, it can sometimes be a bit of a hindrance because if you're eating like you know 300 grams of protein. And do you have 2,500 calories to use up? You're actually eating into your, your carbohydrate macros, which is going to be the main thing that's going to support your performance on the mats and in the gym. So it is key to consider that protein is very important, especially as this type of an athlete and especially as somebody that's doing some sort of gym work. But you do need to be cognizant of the fact that you don't want to sacrifice your carbohydrate intake as much as possible. You know you want to sort of keep that as as topped up as you possibly can. Um, and this is kind of where you know obviously the the help of a nutritionist is so important because we can help you identify right. Maybe you're a little bit too high on this or a little bit too low on that. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of a brief on the macronutrient split. Um, then of course we have the fats as well. Um, you know as long as he's getting sufficient fats somewhere between 20, 25, 30% of his calories coming from fats, that's going to be absolutely fine. Focusing again on the healthy fats, the nuts, the seeds, the avocados, the, um, the fatty fish, the olive oils, all that kind of stuff, trying to reduce saturated fat intake um, and trans fats um, as much as possible. But again, that's more of a, a point that we've labored on uh, in, in different podcasts before. Mm. But that's generally the, the, the way I would split things up. So you have your your energy the energy content of the diet, because that's obviously going to be key for helping him to lose this weight and specifically lose this fat. And that is going to be supported by a general healthy diet of varied foods. And then his macros are going to be split up by the certain amount of protein that I mentioned earlier, trying to keep his carbs as high as possible, and then enough fats. Um, and that's kind of the general structure of how I would do things. But as I say, subject to change as we go through the process.
1: Yeah. And then one one way I heard this somewhere recently, or at least I'm going to paraphrase it, is like when you're looking at macronutrients, things like fat and carbohydrate fuel stimulus, and then protein fuels adaptation. Right? Mm. So you need you need both, right? Because you yeah. need the protein for the recovery. And look, there's a lot of other functions that uh, you know dietary fats and carbohydrates have beyond that. But in this kind of sporting context. And then when we look at the sport that we're talking about here, you know, fats don't have much of a role to play, uh, as an energy substrate. So then you're just left with carbohydrates, basically, um, hydration then is going to be important as well, uh, as it always is. And we have an entire podcast on hydration. So, you know, I won't, I won't belabor discussing it here, but very, very simple. And like, it's one that a lot of people don't have their bases covered on. So, you know uh approximately 40 milliliters of fluid uh per kilo of body weight is a good ballpark to be in um but then you need to adjust that up and down based on the individual you know if you're doing jujitsu uh you know where the weather is kind of getting a bit nicer now really it's hot it's hot in the in whatever room you happen to train in um i, I like that grading like was the, the place was packed and it was a hot day like and it was kind of you know borderline am i gonna pass out from the heat because you know you're wearing the gi which is you know a couple of kilos in weight and you're sweating and then that's it's weighing you down and it's it's tough in that context so and then you don't you don't you never know like the agenda of the grading. you don't know when it's going to be over so i was there like rationing my water like in case i had to do like another few rounds sparring at the end when it was actually over mm. so the, the moral of that story is bring loads of water so you don't have to ration it um, yeah but i don't you know, I only brought a liter, and it was not well i could i definitely could have done with drink, drinking more of it um but look you, you hit around that target per day you know it doesn't have to be just plain water all water-based fluids count um and then you do want to give some consideration to you know timing your hydration around training sessions um, because you're losing so much through sweat you know during the training session and afterwards, especially in these hard sparring sessions and that this guy is doing, and then you wanna make sure you're well hydrated going in. So, you know, I I generally like to say, you know, half a liter to a liter in the hour before and after a train, right? And then whatever you happen to consume um, during the session as well. Um, So the next point we'll look at, we're doing quite well here um, in terms of what we need to cover. So, I think, I think we've got a good layout of what is important for, you know, actually generating the fat loss. We've talked about the macronutrient splits to make sure his performance stays on point because that is a major concern with combat athletes. For some reason, low carb has got its clutches into the combat sports community. I don't know if it's prevalent now, but definitely a few years ago. Um, and it's just, it's just trash, It's a trash diet for a combat sports athlete if they're trying to perform well. Um, yeah, it gets a good reputation for like weight loss, which again, as Dean said, we'll get into. Um, but like in terms of like 14 weeks of, of low carb, like absolutely not. Because uh, like if you use that uh, reference point I made a second ago, it's like if carbohydrates and fats fuel the stimulus for your training, like that makes you better basically at what you're doing. Um, makes it fitter, stronger, strong, do say stronger, fitter, faster, stronger, um, whatever it is. And we've already established that fats cannot be used in, in high intensity sports. And you take carbohydrates away, then you're essentially running on very little fuel. Okay. Um, and like that's not to say that someone with a low carb diet eats no carbohydrates, obviously, they eat some, but it's just you basically want to keep your carbs as high as possible right without going too low on fats that's the way i would look at it um and we've covered okay how is he going to make sure he recovers as well um i would add to the, the protein discussion that you know when you're in a fat loss phase you're naturally going to be hungrier so the protein can help with satiety from that point of view um so, you know so you're not just feeling overly hungry throughout the day it's distracting you making hard making the diet harder to stick to and um, that's where protein also comes into the conversation. So I agree with, with you, Dean, what you were saying about not letting that detract from their carbohydrate intake, definitely. Um, but if you did find someone who's struggling with hunger, you could, you know, in theory, push up their protein to try and get more return on that. But then also, if you're using high fiber carbohydrate sources, then you get satiety from the fiber and then you get um, more carbohydrates from those foods um but as if you use you have had a lot of experience with lately there's some athletes who will overdo that and then it actually puts limits on them but not usually in a fat loss context so i won't get into that um tangent right now but uh i mean we've covered that in the you know kind of muscle gain uh podcast or we, we covered it in some depth recently somewhere um so what next should we should we consider, okay, let's let's talk about supplementation for this 14-week uh, period. Is there anything, Dean, you're going to want this guy to utilize in terms of supplements in this context? Anything that's, that you think is going to be beneficial?
0: Yeah, so I think, you know, I like to keep it fairly simple. Um, he, didn't, or he didn't mention that he's taken any supplements in his pre-consultation form in this fabricated scenario that I've created. Um, so I'll just kind of run through for anyone that's not familiar. Some, like some people listen to this obviously will have heard a lot of this information before, but I I don't think it's any harm for us to to talk about these things again. Um, I think again, from a general, general health perspective, um, giving him a good multivitamin is probably going to be a good shout, um, covering his bases with a, good quality omega-3 if he's not eating sufficient fatty fish. Um, So again, you want to be hitting around that. 14-ish grams of um, omega-3 fish oils um, per week. Um, And and that's going to be, uh, the the omega-3 fatty acids are going to be important for for general heart health, brain health, um, anti-inflammatory effects. Um, They're generally just good to get in your diet. So if you're not eating fish, you want to be supplementing with that because as I was saying earlier, you know, multivitamin is more of an insurance policy to cover your bases. Um, omega three is a general health supplement because if the athlete is healthy, then less potential chance of him getting sick. Um, potential also uh, some considerations around injury and stuff like that as well. Um, and if you're sick or you're injured, you're not training, and that affects your performance, right? So this is key. Uh, sometimes forgotten because it's like let's talk about all the fancy shit we can do, and it's like well, hold, hold your horses here. Um, what about the, what about the veggies and and the the micronutrients and and the stuff that's going to keep you healthy? Because I actually said this to one of the lads, uh, one of my clients at the moment, he he does jujitsu as well. We were just talking about like, I was trying to explain to him how, uh, how broccoli actually can make you uh, better on the mats. (laughs) Um, you know, it was just, it was just a funny way that I, just a funny way of, of phrasing it. And it was just because like, you know, just as I said there, like, you know, if, you know you're not eating enough vegetables. Um, obviously, you're you're missing out on the fiber and the micronutrients, and that's you know affecting your your ability to uh, not only adhere to your diet overall because of the appetite-regulating effects that you mentioned earlier from fiber, um, but also you know as I say, these these fruits and vegetables are keeping you healthy, um, and they're keeping you on the mats. Um, they do actually. There is there is actually. Uh, a role for some of the, some of these micronutrients in recovery from exercise as well. Um, You know, the, the, the uh, exercise hard training um, does create oxidative stress in the body. It is um, going to create an environment for the free radicals as it's called um, to, to sort of um, an environment for those free radicals and the inflammatory effects to occur. Now this is obviously it's, it's good, it's an adaptive response and it's important um, that these things do happen in your body as a response to exercise, but these things are modulated to a certain degree by getting sufficient micronutrients and also the phytonutrients from your food, fruit and vegetables. So it, it's really interesting um, aspect of things that most people don't think about because it's like, it's all protein, 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 which yes, protein is going to have the largest effect, but from a general perspective, uh, you know, in terms of keeping you healthy, but also from a smaller perspective from a smaller aspect you know getting sufficient micronutrients phytonutrients is going to improve your recovery from exercise and um, to a certain degree as well and that's sometimes forgotten and um, so yes lads broccoli will actually make you a better athlete so provided that you're not eating your your, your broccoli and your vegetables overall it doesn't have to be broccoli by the way it, it can be um it's broccoli is just a proxy for for vegetables overall but yeah that was the kind of message that i was, that I was telling him but anyway that was a bit of a tangent the the the, the general message is a bit of a multivitamin, just as an insurance policy in the winter months. You could probably add a vitamin D. Um, you know, I think this time of year, uh, you know, if you're out in the sun for you know 15 minutes, you're, you're getting exposure um, on your forearms and your face from from direct sunlight. You're probably going to be creating sufficient vitamin D um, through the synthesis on the skin. Um, but in those winter months, you probably do need to think about vitamin D. So those general health supplements. Kind of have them cover your bases, as I say. Then from a convenience aspect, he probably should have a, a protein um, supplement. Uh, I think it's 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 generally good to have protein um, powder just, you know, for utilizing in your recipes, as I say. Um, you know, it's just good even like after a, after a jiu-jitsu session, you know, if you feel like, right, uh, you have uh, somewhere to be and you need to get a serving of protein in and you're not going to get a full meal, it can be ha- handy to have the protein powder there. Same thing if he happens to be doing a double session on, on, on a particular day, which we haven't discussed about either. Um, it becomes important to to make sure that you're getting your 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 servings of protein and then also your servings of carbohydrate in between those sessions um to optimize your recovery and to sort of refuel you from one session to the next. Um, and this is kind of where supplementary supplementary protein is important, but also maybe uh, some supplementary carbs as well. Um, doesn't have to be anything fancy. It could literally just be, uh, you know, you could buy carb powders and stuff like that, um, but it could also be something like, you know, a, a carbohydrate drink or, you know, even just some a simple food-based product. Um, but I just thought I'd mention that as well, as well there as well, because the double sessions... Uh, in this case, can't happen, you know, if he's doing seven total sessions in a week and we assume that he's going to take two rest days, there's probably going to be a, a double session in there as well. Um, so that's from that perspective. Then, of course, we have the, the two heavy hitters in the performance nutrition world is creatine and caffeine. Um, creatine is just going to be to improve your strength and your power output. It's also it's also going to be improving your um, glycogen storage capacity to to a certain degree, which is just your store of carbohydrates. So that's going to have a, a positive effects on um, your performance on the mats. Creatine is also going to improve the results that this client is going to get from the gym because, as I say, it's a supplement that's going to augment strength and power output and adaptations from the gym. So that's obviously really, really good. And then caffeine as well. As I say, um, your your uh, your your caffeine is going to be just more of a for those harder sessions. Maybe that he might have earlier in the day. He needs a little bit of a boost. Um, and, you know, as I say, caffeine is, it's a stimulant. It's going to, in a, in a similar fashion, um, not, not in a similar fashion to creatine in terms of its ability to improve strength and power output because creatine is more of a long-term supplement that'll create these effects. Whereas caffeine is like, you drink a cup of coffee and you'll feel the effects immediately. Um, But they do kind of, there's a bit of crossover there in terms of what they might do in terms of uh, how it transfers over to performance. Um, And then the, the dosages for those, by the way, uh, is three to three to five grams, probably towards the five grams for this guy because he's a bit heavier uh, of creatine. And then for, you know, if it's caffeine, if he wants to use monster energy, if he wants to use a pre-workout, if he wants to use caffeine pills, it's about three to six milligrams uh, per kg. So uh, in this guy's case, he would want to be or consuming about 270 milligrams of caffeine about 60 minutes before his session. Um, but you know, up to, up to the, uh, up to the 540 milligrams as well. If he wants, if he's, if he has some level of tolerance built up to the caffeine and he wants maybe a stronger effect, but again, do, do be, um, do be careful with, with the caffeine as well. Uh, if you're not used to it, uh, you do want to sort of take your time. Um, don't go for the heavy, heavy doses straight away. Um, and then of course, as I'm sure you've heard us speak about before, uh, there is the considerations around, um, its effects on sleep. And um, then the last one that I'd probably recommend just quickly is beta alanine, which I'm looking at my own beta alanine that I've started to take again, finally. Um, and that is, again, it's just going to buffer some acid that you might get from some of your strenuous exercise, uh, which can be effective for, for combat sports athletes. Um, and for that, you want to be taking about 80 milligrams per kg uh, for about six to eight weeks just to saturate your muscle stores of carnosine, which is what beta-alanine turns into. Um, and then you can go down to a dose of 40 milligrams Um per kg daily and you just take my recommendation is just to take your creatine and your beta alanine at the same time um and that'll generally just as a from a habit formation perspective so there are a couple of other ones that i could mention there but those are the main ones from a general health general performance perspective um mm. yeah i don't think have you anything to add there brain
1: not really um i was gonna ask you i knew we would talk about creatine so i was gonna ask you like If you're thinking about the potential weight gain that occurs from creatine, you know, when this guy is a a weight class athlete who's trying to lose weight, like how do you, how do you make that decision in this context for this guy?
0: Yeah. So I suppose like, you know, the weight gain from creatine is usually like, it's not massive. Um, I think it, it is obviously going to have an effect. and of course he is a larger human being, so he's going to see um potentially a larger increase in his weight. But um, you know, I suppose this is something because he's 14 weeks out, right? We still have plenty of time, you know, within at least the 10 week time frame to sort of say, right,, uh, where is weight sitting at? And mm. you generally as as you progress towards the, The competition day, you make a decision on, you know, something like creatine, say, um, in terms of its effect on the weight, is the do we need to sort of trade off the potential improvements in performance that creatine gives for the reduction in weight that we might see? Um, and that kind of comes down to the specific scenario. Um, but you know, it it generally just comes down to that time frame. And I think if you if you pull like if if it needs to be done, we can do it obviously. Um but you know you can you can pull creatine out about two or three weeks um before the competition and that'll generally you'll 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 see kind of the the, the reduction in weight from that. Um but it is kind of it, it depends on where weight's at and um you know if we if we need to pull it out we can but obviously as i'm sure you're going to get into in the last couple of minutes here talking about the the, the strategies for for making weight otherwise but generally that's that's the, the framework that i would use
1: yeah I'd be, i would be of a similar opinion like if again it depends on the time frame you know first you have to consider that all right it's probably going to take like two to four weeks depending on how you dose it to actually get that saturation mm. to where you're actually going to start see adaptations Coming from the creatine specifically. Um, so, you know, it may take then that two to four weeks, depending on how you dose it, whether there's a loading phase or not, to actually see any weight gain that might occur. And like usually in a, in a fat loss phase like this, you're not going to see weight increase necessarily. You're just going to see it stall for maybe a couple of weeks around in that like two to four week block when you after you start taking it. Um so that is another thing that's has to be factored in because if someone is just watching this by themselves they may say oh shit i'm not losing any weight do i need to need to make adjustments here um and it's more likely that the creatine gain is cancelling out the weight loss on the scales right um but yeah if you can have it in there i think it's a net positive for sure like from from a performance standpoint um i think i think the data on uh like how far out do you have to pull it out before you see that weight drop i think it's it's a bit muddled i think um Mm. like i think yeah two to three weeks is probably a good safe enough timeline um but like in some cases it could be four weeks so i'd be inclined not to take it out um just because it's it's kind of unreliable then as well unless you're taking it like way in advance and then it's like well what have you realistically got when you're waiting two to four weeks for it to, you know, kick in, so to speak. And then you're taking it out for three, four weeks at the end. It's like, you know, you got a few weeks where you're actually using it. Like it's probably not, that's, doesn't make that much sense. So yeah, I mean, it depends on the timelines involved. Um, but as you said, we have a good bit of time here. Here's a good bit of time to actually get the benefits of it. And yeah, I would keep it in. Um, yeah, the bad ironing, I think is a good shout. Um, people often ask about like recommendations for, you know, multivitamins and, and fish oils and stuff. Cause I'm kind of particular about those, uh, in terms of the quality. So at the moment, I quite like the Nutri advanced, um, multivitamins. Um, and then there's a few different brands of, uh, I like, I like the Nutri advanced and I like, uh, the, the now foods, multivitamins as well. Uh, and then for Omega threes, I quite like Carlson's I quite like uh, the Solgar triple strength, um, and there's a few have other the ones money. that are good.
0: If you have the money, which this guy oh, yeah. does, <laughs> <laughs> you have the money
1: to, the Nordic Naturals. Although Dean actually regrets buying those, yeah. um, he wishes he had got a, a slightly more economic brand of the same quality. Yeah. Um, so next time, Dean. Next time. Yeah. Um, so Dean, I think I'm going to have to actually leave you to do the the weight cutting part because it's twenty seven past. and I have to be off yeah. before half past. So um not how i would like the podcast to go generally but uh i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave it up to you just to cover those few bits in terms of um you know how you actually Harry you cut and wait acutely on the week of uh of the competition if it's necessary so mm-hmm. you can go through all those um those different manipulations for the good people and i will be back excuse me in the next episode so mm-hmm. yeah okay dean Thanks everyone for listening this far and enjoy the rest of the podcast (laughs) and I'll see you soon. All right.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. So I am going to continue and wrap up the podcast, as I say with this little bit on just the weight cutting, as I say, it would be nice to have him at a place where he doesn't need to cut much weight, um, from what I'm going to explain now. Um, but of course, sometimes you're going to be in a scenario where you do need to, to manipulate your weight through other means that's not uh, fat fats, right? So we did have that little bit of a discussion around creatine, as I say, it'd be ideal not to take it out if possible. Um, but generally speaking, you know, w- once you're about a week out, you'll, you'll kind of know, right, whether or not uh, do I need to start implementing some of these strategies uh, in terms of reduction, of some of the things that I'm going to talk about here. Um, So there's there's generally going to be three metrics that we can utilize to see reductions in weight that is, as I say, not fat mass or muscle mass. um, And that is changing your carbohydrates, changing your fiber intake and doing some manipulation of water as well. Um, So again, about around five days out, again, if you feel like you need to do this, of course, uh, around five days out, you can pull carbohydrates out and you can move over to a low carbohydrate diet. So this is going to be, you know, somewhere around less than 50 grams of, of carbohydrates is going to be a good shout here um, for if you're trying to uh, reduce the, the amount of glycogen in your muscles. Uh, which is going to create the the drop in weight. And this is going to be from the actual molecules of glycogen themselves, but also the water that they contain within them as well. Because for every one gram of glycogen that's in your muscles, you're going to pull with it three grams of water. And this is kind of partially. Where we're going to see this... Um, this reduction. So you want to be doing this about seven days before your weigh in, um, and, and this is generally going to be pulling out your bread, your pastas, your rice, your your spuds, your your, your fruit to a certain degree, um, pulses, uh, anything with sugar in it, and it's generally going to be trying to keep things to to a minimum. Um, and you know, I think with regards to how much weight you can expect to lose, it does generally depend on the person. Um, but uh, from what I've seen, the maximum you're generally going to get, uh, out of this is probably going to be three kg, maybe a little bit more. Um, this is a, this, this guy is a, is a bit larger. Um, and that's simply because, you know, you've, you've about a 900 grams, um, capacity of, of glycogen, um, in the muscle. And you've a little bit more, even 80 to 110 grams in the liver as well. Um, but you're going to see this uh, capacity. So you, you would obviously multiply that by um, by four because uh, you know, it's uh, you the gram of glycogen itself and then the, the three grams of water. Um, so you're, you're going to see a, a three kg maximum drop, but probably more towards one to two kg, depending on your size, of course. And um, If you're a larger human, you're going to see a larger drop. Um, so that would be something that you would do over a seven-day period, um, seven days before your weigh-in. Um, and this is just as I say because it, it takes a little bit of time for these carbohydrates um to be to be reduced and pulled out of your your muscles and to a certain degree your liver as well. And then the other element of this is, as I say, is, is fiber or what we might call a low residue diet. And this is just essentially the the contents of your gut, and we can pull some weight out of this as well um by reducing the amount of fibrous foods. Um, so we're talking about like fruits, like bananas, um, or sorry, fr- fruits with skins, um, or seeds. So the, f- the fruits that you, that you want to avoid is here, like, you know, your, your apples with your skins, um, um, you know, your, your, your pomegranates and stuff like that. and more moving more towards things like bananas, melons, mangoes, oranges. Um, if you are having some fruit, make sure you peel the fruit. If you are having a little bit of fruit, but of course, you have to have this in, inside the context of a low carbohydrate diet, which is a consideration as well. Um, and again, you want to be avoiding like your, your whole grains, your brown carbohydrates. You want to be avoiding nuts and seeds. You want to be avoiding beans and lentils and peas. Um, and generally, you're going to be moving mostly towards your meat and your eggs and, and your um, your fish and your poultry and kind of your, your, your higher fats um, in your diet as well. So that, and that'll, that'll probably create, you know, you might see a, a small reduction in weight, maybe up to a kg or something like that, but but it's, it's highly unlikely that you'll see any more than a kg um with uh, a low residue diet. Um, and that's kind of the, but that's going to be the second metric that you can kind of stack on top of the pulling the carbohydrates out um as well. So, you know, these are just two things that you can combine together again. I would do these before I would manipulate water if possible. Um, And again, you don't have to go like to the extreme end of these either. You know, if if this guy only has like say 0.3 or 0.5 of a kg left to lose, we can, we can see that reduction by, by moderately reducing the carbs and moderately reducing the fiber, um, over seven to five days, um, and by the way, the, this little residue diet should be done about two days before your weigh-in. It doesn't need to be done seven days before, um, like you would your your low carbohydrate diet. So then, the last aspect of this, then, of course, is the water, and this is probably what what people is going to be most common with, or most most familiar with. Sorry, um, is this manipulation of, uh, water and. Again, as I say, this if we can avoid doing this is, is obviously better because it's good to keep kind of going into this competition not dehydrated, and then of course you do have the considerations around how much time you have between when you're weighing in and when you're actually competing. So as I say, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you don't have that much time. Best to assume that you're going to be you know jumping on the mats as soon as you you're weighed in, and um, but for maybe MMA or box or something like that, you might have. Uh, 24 hours in which case the water cut becomes a little bit more uh, realistic but in this case what you do is you're going to do some level of water loading um, so about fa- about five days before uh, sorry so for seven days out what you do five days before is you're gonna drink about 10 percent of your body weight in in kg in liters of water um, so with this guy let's say for example we do get him down to you know 83 kg so what what he's going to be doing is going to be drinking 8.3 liters of water um so if he's if he's competing on the 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 friday say he would have a, a, a large volume of water this 8.3 liters of water the 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 monday the tuesday the wednesday or sorry the sunday monday tuesday wednesday and um, before the weigh-in uh or two days before the weigh-in then Uh, he would go down to, he's going to have this large volume of water and then he's going to pull this out um, and go back down to uh, much less. So basically somewhere between 0.8 to 1 liter. um, And what this does, basically, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a little hormonal trick in terms of what these two hormones are doing inside your body, and uh, they're called antidiuretic hormone and aldosterone. And essentially what, what you're doing is you're creating this mad increase in, in water um, for, the, for the number of days before the weigh-in. And then you're, you're having this concomitant, concomitant increase in these hormones um, that will cause a larger secretion uh, of of uh, of urine so you're going to be peeing a lot more obviously because you're drinking all this water and then the day before your weigh and you're going back down to, to like maybe 0.7 to a liter of water um but you're still going to try to see this large excretion of um of urine. And this is what's going to create again, as I say, the the, the reduction in, in um in water weight. And of course, this can be combined with, you know, the use of saunas kind of as a last resort. Or the use of diuretics as a last resort. But again, I would prefer to see this athlete not have to do any of that and maybe not have to do much water and water manipulation at all. But this is a strategy that you can use. Um, you know, and as I say, you know, that day before, you're still seeing that uh, reduction um in, in water weight, but you're not really drinking any water at all. And then when you weigh in, obviously you can start the, the process of hydration again. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the main considerations that we would make around this is say that's just a bit of a summary in terms of um. In terms of using the what the, the weight cutting strategies, um I would prefer to see him as lean as possible so that he doesn't have to do any of these strategies, but you can have them in the back pocket. Um and as we were saying earlier about the the creatine, you can pull that out a number of weeks before to again see a reduction. From water weight because creatine will also pull water into it as it's as it's being saturated into the cell. Um, so some considerations around there. But yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up on that note, guys. As I say, uh, if you found some value in this podcast, please share it around um, with with anyone that you might find that might find it to be useful. Because this is going to be the best way to get the podcast out there and. Um, for for our knowledge and our uh, the the content that we're putting out and to get more people because we greatly appreciate that when you do this um and as i say don't forget to follow us on social media if you haven't already i'll leave the links for that in the in the description and I'm also going to leave links for coaching as well. So if you like kind of what you hear and you're a combat sport athlete or you're a Brazilian jiu-jitsu athlete and you want some assistance in terms of improving your body composition for your sport, improving your performance for your sport, you want help with the application of all this kind of stuff, then we'd love to have you. We'd love to have a chat with you. So I'll leave the links for coaching in the description as well. Um, But other than that, guys, I'm going to leave it there. And thank you. thanks, Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next one.